listening to me and you guys went ahead and read the rest of Ruth. If not, uh, you're going to be a little bit behind, but God will forgive you. I do too. And uh, I think just like with any teaching, um, I want to kind of go back over some, some high points of Ruth. And Ruth, just like Esther, um, is one of those unusual books in the Bible where there is nothing in there about where the Lord says, Thus saith the Lord. There was really nothing in that with Esther as well. But throughout this book, it is so obvious that the Lord is in like every single chapter and every little nuance in here. It's incredible. And um, just to give context where we're at during this time, we're in the time of the judges. And we know during that time that it was maybe like a 300 to 400 year period. And it was definitely these awful cycles of um, many years of having a great time rejoicing in the Lord and then falling into depravity and then going into some sort of uh, being conquered by your enemies for a while, then crying out back to the Lord again, and then him bringing about a redeemer. And he did that many, many times through many different judges during this time period. And uh, we believe it was probably during the time of Ehud um, when the Moabites had conquered Israel for about 18 years. And it was at that time when Ehud had uh, beaten the Moabites through the Lord um, that Naomi and her family, which was only by this time, her and uh, Ruth had started to go back to Israel. So we know Israel was free during this time. And I think after this time they had about an 80-year period where they, um, they were definitely free from any of their enemies. So, and we also know that Ruth was from the country of Moab. Um, and we read last week that in the law that there's a special type of maybe curse, but some pronouncement from Moses upon the people of Moab that for ten generations they were not allowed to go and be part of their sanctuary because of how they treated the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. God said, it's like, don't touch Moab, because we know they came from Lot. That land belongs to them. But when you're on the highway, you can buy food, bread, and you can bring water to them. Moab didn't want that at all. They came out there with an army. And later, we also know that they hired, I don't know, what do you, Peter, what do you want to call him, like a prophet? Some people call him a wizard, um, to curse the children of Israel. And, of course, Balaam could not do that. No matter how much Balak tried to pay him and encourage him to bring the curse, God only let Balaam say a blessing over the children of Israel. So there was a, there was a grudge match here between these, these two uh, nations. But then out of this, you see a woman, uh, Ruth, who served other gods, the god of the Moabites. We know their main god was Shemosh. Um, he was someone who really delighted in human sacrifice. And there's this woman who comes into their land, Naomi, with her husband and her two sons, and she ends up marrying one of her, her sons. And during that 10-year period, she gets to know the family, love the family, obviously. But tragedy strikes, and uh, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, he dies 
And then within that 10-year period, the two sons, they also die. So one of the daughters-in-law, we know she wanted to go with her, but she stayed behind in Moab. But something was activated in Ruth. Something that she saw in Naomi that was activated, and it was faith. And three times we know that during this discourse between the two daughters-in-laws and with Naomi, she's admonishing them, please just go back. I've got nothing left to give you. God is against me right now. And I've got no sons to give you. I've got nothing for you, daughters. Go back. But after the third time, Ruth finally speaks in these beautiful words, and she says, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. So she followed her back into the land of Israel. And we know that the land was sold that belonged to Naomi. I'm guessing her husband Elimelech had sold it during some time period, when maybe before they left to Moab. It's not quite for certain, but they were destitute. And part of what the law allowed during that time was while they're out, the people were out reaping harvest, that the poor people, the widow, the widows and the fatherless and the immigrants could come behind as they reaped the harvest. So during this time was the barley harvest and the wheat harvest in Israel. So... Ruth goes out and begins to work. She begins to work for her mother-in-law to take care of her because her mother-in-law is older. She loves her, and she wants to be able to provide for her. And this is where we meet the wonderful man of Boaz. Um, what a picture of Christ. Um, he's rich, and he's wealthy. And you can see even with the workers, as he's walking by those who are out there reaping in the harvest, he blesses them, and they give him a blessing in return. So, like we talked about last week, if you are an owner, or if you got a business, it pays to have people under you bless your name and to love you if you're taking good care of them. God wants us to be like that. So, we can see in the beginning of this that Boaz has done his homework on Ruth. He's heard Stories about her. I'm sure as a man, um, there were probably plenty of very beautiful women during that time, young women. But there was something about this other woman that maybe because he was a righteous man, but also tempered a little bit as well, that he saw something beyond just her beauty. That she had come from a foreign country where she made a decision to come and to find out more about this God of Israel. And she was there under his complete mercy right now, under, under his wings. So he's very impressed with her. And we know during this time that um, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, Boaz is this thing called the kinsman redeemer. And he's a relative of Elimelech. He was, we're not sure of how close they were, 
but we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up pretty soon. And um, you can definitely see that during this time, his uh, feelings towards her um, are beginning to change. And her feelings towards him are obviously, uh, she's drawn close to him too. There's a beautiful love story that's going on here. And we also begin to see there's a redemption also for Naomi as well, where she said she went out full and she came back empty and full of bitterness. And, you know, the whole village was so excited in Bethlehem to have her back in town. And they said, oh, is this, is this Naomi? He's like, don't call me that anymore. It's like, I am empty and I am bitter. It's like, I went out full and I've got nothing left. And I always loved the discretion of the Bible that there weren't, People like saying, well, you know, you'll get through this hard time or giving her these weird little ditties to kind of lift her up and stuff. They understood she was in deep distress and sorrow. So they just kind of let her be. But they were there to honor and take care of her as Ruth was. So there came about another harvest was coming about. And we're going to be leading us up to what we'll be talking about this week. Um where there, it's just like a giant festival. People are out eating and drinking after they bring in all the harvest uh, for the barley. And it's a great time of celebration. Boaz has done very well, obviously. And Naomi sees an opportunity for her daughter-in-law. Uh, her daughter-in-law has been taking care of her. And is like, how can I take care of you now, daughter? I want to look out for your security. So hear my words. You know, she's already doing the thing of um, being the matchmaker, and that's good. She should be looking out for your, your loved ones like that. So she gives her daughter Ruth, and this is in verse 3, chapter 3. Um, she gives her this, this advice. She's, listen to me, daughter. Wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down, take notice of where he lies, and you'll go in and uncover his feet. And lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, All that you say to me, I will do. And right there you see such a beauty of a godly older woman giving such incredible advice to her younger not daughter-in-law anymore, but calling her a daughter. Just listen to what I say. And you can tell with this older woman, she knows the heart of a man and how to reach him. Hello? It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Verse 6. So she went down, Ruth went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had instructed Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was cheerful. So he went down to lay down at the end of the heap grain. She came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And it happened at midnight that the man was startled. And he turned himself, and there was a young woman lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And so she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing. 
for you are a near kinsman. Another translation, you are my redeemer. And Boaz said to her, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now, it's true that I am a near kinsman. However, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be if you perform the duty of a near kinsman for you. Good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, excuse me, then I will perform the duty for you. Lie down until morning. So she laid at his feet until morning. And she arose before one could recognize another. And then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman had come down to the threshing floor. Again, honoring her, protecting her still, and honoring her integrity, and not making it look like something had gone into a bad place because it had not. Verse 15, and he said, Bring the shah that is on you and hold it up. And so when she had held it, he measured six ephahs of barley, and he laid it on her, and she went into the city. If you guys remember when she had been out in the fields before gleaning with the other women, she was able to gather one. She's out there working, and it was hard work, and it was hot. She had to actually come into the house with the rest of the servants to get some rest to get out of the heat. But now we're starting to see that she's stopped working. Boaz is beginning to work for her. And you see that beautiful picture of grace where her work has stopped and it's ceasing. And his daughter, I'm going to provide for you now. You are mine. Watch and see what's going to happen. And he gives her six times the amount. She didn't have to do anything. He already saw in this woman something that was so beautiful, beyond just her physical beauty, something deep inside of her that he desired, a beauty that never fades away, ever goes away, and grows greater as the days go on. So verse 16, Ruth came to her mother-in-law, and she said, Is that you, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley, an ephah is about, I think, a gallon. For he said to me, he says, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. He's already showing he's ready to take care of everything. And then Naomi said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. That's a hard part of our Christian walk because we should be doing things. We are created for good works in Christ. However, there does come points where we have to sit still and see his salvation work out, where we are beyond what we can do or act or whatever. And then we have to be in that moment of being still, waiting patiently, not for happenstance, but we're waiting for him. 
Chapter 4. So Boaz went up to the gate and sat down, and behold, the near kinsman of whom Boaz had come by, had come by. So he said to him, come aside, friend, and sit down here. So he came and he sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city, and he said, sit down here. So they all sat down. And he said to the kinsman, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I might know, for there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. So the man said, I will redeem it. And so the trap was laid. And Boaz said, on the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance. Let's take a step back for a second about the kinsman redeemer. It was something that was written about in the law, that if there was a son who died and he didn't produce a male heir, then some other relative, in particular another brother, was supposed to marry this woman, the widow, and produce an heir. And that way, the dead man, his name would still go on. It's kind of a strange thing to think about. But it wasn't a command, because the person had an option not to do it. And so this Boaz just went ahead, kind of put this guy right on the spot, but that's what love does sometimes. It puts you right on the spot. It's got to go beyond just the land and the prosperity of getting something, but the people that belong to it. The near kinsman said to him, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything, one man took off a sandal, I'm not going to take mine off, don't worry, and gave it to another. And this was an attestment in Israel. Therefore the near kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off a sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilian's. The Malons from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, I have acquired as my wife. To raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his, from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. You are witnesses of this to this day. What a huge act of love. That the firstborn that he was going to have with Ruth later on was going to be a continuation of Malin's name. What great love is that? And of course, you can see that with Jesus. It's like while we were dead and in our sins, while we were just like Abraham in a foreign country, worshiping other gods just like the Gentiles do, 
doing her own thing, he called us. And just like Ruth, it's like we might not have understood everything of salvation, probably very little of it. But she saw something in Naomi. She saw something in her. She saw the living God. It's like, wherever you're going to go, I'm going to go. And I remember when I was a child, when I was six, and I saw the same thing in my dad. He had come back to the Lord. And I couldn't understand anything about Romans or even about John 3.16. But I remember the Lord talking to me, trying to explain what it is that I wanted and I desired that my dad had. He goes, he had something that you did not have. And that's all I could understand as a child. But God took that, and 40-something years later, I'm still walking with him. And that's the same thing with Ruth and the same thing with each one of us. No one was seeking after God. None of us. But when he called us, you guys answered the call. You were hungry for something else. Verse 11. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. Listen to this blessing. The Lord make the women, the woman who is coming to your house, like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. So Boaz, she took Ruth as his wife, and the Lord opened her womb, and she's able to conceive. She bore him a son. And the women had this blessing for Naomi. You can see this beautiful circle of completion right here with Naomi. This is what the women said, the blessing of Naomi. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a near kinsman. And may his name be famous in all of Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nurturer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you is better than you than seven sons. Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and she became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there's a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Abinadab. Abinadab begot Nashon. And Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. And Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. This woman, this Moabite, who had nothing to do with the promises of God or of his inheritance or of his people, cut off, according to Moses, for ten generations. 
something happened to her faith was opened up in her heart. She became a daughter of the children of Israel. Just like you, just like me, there's no difference. There really isn't. When we look at this time period, the time of the judges was ending. And one of the earmarks of this time was everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Okay? And sometimes in this age, it feels kind of that way, even in church. Everyone kind of doing what's right in their own eyes. But the age of the king was coming. He was the great-grandmother of David. And, of course, Jesus comes from that same lineage. He allowed a woman from Moab. He allowed a woman from Jericho, a harlot, to be part of his lineage. How humble is that? How great is he that he would include people like you and me in this? This is the Old Testament. Look how great it is. And we have something so much greater. Not only has he bought us back with his own blood. There isn't a relative, there isn't a redeemer that's closer to us than him. And there's no limitation to how close you can get to him. How much you can love him and how much you can know his love for you. read two more scriptures. This is going to be a very long teaching, but I really felt that from the Lord that we needed just to read straight out of scripture to receive that washing. It's a living word. It's not a dead word. It's a right here word. And we know our Father doesn't let any of these words return void. It's going to accomplish that purpose in us. Ephesians 1, you don't have to turn there. Ephesians 1, starting with chapter 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption, as sons and daughters in Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure of his will, the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us and accepted us in the beloved. Verse 7, In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. He laid his life down for us. He bought us back that we might be part of his family. He sees something in each one of you that's precious. He sees a a habitation for his son to dwell. Something so much greater than anyone in the Old Testament had. Last scripture is going to be in Isaiah.
if you guys have been watching a certain television program, some of you might recognize this from Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Let these words dwell richly in you. But now, says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Lord, for these great people that you have called, Lord, this walk of faith that we're in with you, as we sojourn together, Lord, as strangers, pilgrims, aliens on this world, Lord, help us never to forget and always remember that you bought us back, that we are yours. Father, in those areas where we need to surrender, or we need to sit still and see your salvation, let us do it. We ask for your grace. Thank you for your grace. We thank you just like with Ruth. She worked hard. Lord, you're the one that gives that abundance, that pours out, Lord, that, that barley, Lord, that provision, Lord, six times more than what we could ever do, a hundred times more. Lord, help us to quiet our minds, Lord, wait for you. Those who wait on the Lord are going to be like Mount Zion. They will not be shaken. They will not be moved. In this time, Lord, of great shaking and great questioning, that you keep Lord, your people together, close to you, that we would still find that protection under the shadow of your wing. It has blessed these people today. Thank you so much for them. Lord, that you would satisfy their hunger. Lord, you would satisfy that thirst that they have, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, we're really going to beat the Baptist today. I do believe, though, that if uh, you need ministry... You need prayer uh, to come forth. The elders will be up here ministering during this time. Um, If you need to get your children during this time as well, that's great. And I appreciate everything. You guys are showing up today. It's great. It's good to be with God's people. 
And uh, these times should be precious to us and growing even more precious. We don't know what the next days are going to hold, but we are in his hands. Amen?